Hello, today we are talking about Bathsheba. Bathsheba, I believe, has gotten quite the bad rap throughout the years. We were just discussing some of the ideas that we have heard ourselves about Bathsheba. It's kind of discouraging a little bit. Like she was so, she really gets such a bad name when if you actually go back and just read through the scriptures, there's really nothing that accuses her of any sin or wrongdoing in the situation. Yeah. So in order to talk about Bathsheba, we have to kind of do a little bit of background with David. So this is the time of the year when the kings would go out to battle and all of the people would go out to battle, as the Bible says. And I don't really know how that all played out. I guess there was a season where it was like, oh, it's time for war. Let's go out to war. That's kind of funny. <laughs> and that's how it kind of reads. But yeah. um, anyways, David did not go. He sent all of his men out to battle, but he stayed behind. And as he was staying behind, um, one evening he was looking out over the kingdom and he sees Bathsheba bathing on her roof. So they obviously in the scripture, there was all sorts of cleanses and things that they, the women were supposed to do after they like had their cycle. So um, it said that she was purified from her own cleanness, meaning that, you know, after her cycle, she was doing the regular purifying process, which was customary for all of the women to do. And in that day and age, it was not uncommon to bathe upon your roof. Like obviously today, yeah, that'd be pretty scandalous. Go on out and, and on a flat roof and take a bath where everyone can see you. No one else would have been able to see her most likely, but because David was in the palace and up higher, he could look down and see her. But he, again, he was not where he was supposed to be. She was where she was supposed to be doing what she was supposed to be doing. And he was, or he was not supposed to be doing what he was not supposed to be doing. And he calls for her. And she conceives and then he has a pickle because <laughs> he really didn't want to marry this woman. He just wanted to have a good time. And now one of his trusted men is kind of caught in the trap, Uriah. I feel so bad for Uriah. I, I named my son Uriah. Uriah means uh, God is my light. The Lord is my light. He was not a Jew. He was, it says Uriah the Hittite. And he was most likely converted by David himself. A lot of men followed David in the time that Saul was chasing him. A lot of men followed him because he was different. He was a different leader. He was uh, full of God's Holy Spirit. And when you're full of God's Holy Spirit, you are different. And he attracted mighty men. And his leaning upon the Lord and his difference in the way that he carried himself he attracted a lot of mighty men uriah was one of david's mighty men it just made the story like extra depressing <laughs> it really is sad because we see that's what Uriah. that's what david was he was a great leader until he wasn't right. you know and in this story we see the consequences like start here right yeah. so joab his second in command, he knows everything that's going on. And he, we kind of see where Joab like loses a bit of respect for David here. Right. And in some of his other dealings 
with David from here on out. We kind of just not the same relationship. And then obviously we've got Bathsheba. She's definitely the victim here. It says that the men came down and they took her. So she was, there was nothing um, that implies voluntary consent. consent. Yeah, she was taken and she was taken by the most powerful person in her world. And so we don't get any insight into how she felt about it, but we know that it was an abuse of power against her. Absolutely. And one of the things that in my mind further kind of solidifies this is that God knew how she felt. God knew what was going through her mind. And when he sends Nathan the prophet to tell David, hey, look, you have done wrong. The picture that he tells Nathan to use is that of a lamb, right? An innocent lamb. And he says, because you have taken Uriah the Hittite's wife, right there, to me, that says she was not willingly part of this action. And God knew that. God knew that he was abusing his power. God knew that he he was essentially ruining not only Uriah's life, but Bathsheba's life, and he did complete wrong by both of them, and just against God. Because it says, so in 2 Kings 12, 14, Nathan the prophet says, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, because of what David chose to do, everybody ended up knowing about this, and the enemies of the Lord did they like they took this occasion because later on we see David's own son Absalom turns against him and his trusted leader Ahithophel was actually Bathsheba's grandfather and he turns against David because of this like there's so many things that happen as a result of this there are some big big consequences and in all of this Bathsheba unfortunately it's taken along for this very sad ride of losing her husband, losing her uh, reputation, mm-hmm. losing a child as consequence of this, and losing the life that she had before. And so while she often gets painted as this kind of picture of a promiscuous woman, she really is a victim. She could have wallowed in her victimness, and that could be the end of her her story, I guess you could say. But that's not, that's not where she, that's not the end. That's not what what happens. She has a choice to make. And I don't believe you can look at the story and say that she wasn't a victim. And, And there's so many of us that are victims of things that are against our wills, things that happen to us that have nothing to do with our own behavior. Sometimes we are a victim of our own consequences, but sometimes there's nothing we can do about what's been done to us or what's um, happened to us. And we all have that choice to make of what we're going to do now. And she is a really great example of what to do. (laughs) She is. So there are many who believe that Proverbs 31 was written by Bathsheba herself. So most interpreters are of the opinion that Lemuel is Solomon. So in the beginning verses of Proverbs 31, it says, you know, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine is drunk, and goes on as the mother talking to her son, and the son's name is Lemuel. So there are many historians and commentators, they 
believe that Lemuel is like a pet name that Bathsheba had for her son. So we see all through Proverbs 31, Bathsheba's description of a virtuous woman. And I, I kind of had just the thought running through my mind of her, like you were saying, her testimony was was taken in a sense, like the, the people of Israel knew it was heart right. They knew that she was t- taken, that Uriah was killed. Like this was a public thing. It wasn't private yeah. uh, as much as David tried to keep it private. <laughs> it didn't end up that way. So we kind of have this idea of like, in a sense, like her, her purity was kind of taken, right? Or yeah. testimony or, or what have you. And, and sometimes we can be in situations in Christianity, there is an emphasis on purity, right? And, and that is a good thing, right? To be pure, to be pure in your marriage, to be pure in before marriage, like that's a good thing, right? But what, what do you do when, when that purity is taken from you without your consent, right? And so to draw this kind of comparison between virginity and virtue. I read something the other day. This is not mine. Uh, Lady Nikki Lott, she posted this, but I just thought it was very helpful to, to kind of draw the comparison between virginity and virtue or purity of, you know, body and virtue, right? Um, so I'm just going to read through this list. Virginity is physical. Virtue is spiritual, moral, and physical. Virginity is something you possess at birth without your choice, but virtue is only possessed by those who desire to have it and choose to maintain it. Virginity can be taken from you without your consent. Virtue cannot. Virginity can be lost, but virtue must be left. Virginity cannot be restored, but virtue can. Virginity can be kept without virtue being present, and it can be stolen without virtue being lost. You can be wicked and be a virgin, but you cannot be wicked and be virtuous. Virtue can belong to any woman, young or old, single or married. Virginity is something you can only give once, but virtue is something you can possess and give throughout your entire life. Virginity is precious, but virtue is priceless. For who can find a virtuous woman? for her price is far above rubies. And I just thought that that kind of contrast sheds a little bit of light in this situation with Bathsheba as well. And in my mind, I do think that she was taken advantage of and she was the victim, right? And something was taken from her that could not necessarily be restored, but yet she held to the true virtues of a virtuous woman and she was wise and she was humble. Um, we see in her later interactions with David when, so Solomon was promised to be the king. Solomon is her son and he's promised to be the king. David's on his deathbed and one of his other sons is trying to take over and Bathsheba sees this going on and Nathan sees this going on, the prophet, and they come to David to say, kind of like, hey, look, what's going on. But in this, she is not in interaction with him. I would recommend you read that 
It is in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 28 through 31. Well, that whole chapter really talks about this, shows this interaction. But it says, And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king. And the king said, What wouldest thou? And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thy handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me. So just her demeanor. She's not coming in being like, Hey, you you promised me. You, you know, she's being humble yeah respect like she's just she's a virtuous woman regardless of whether she was had anything to do with proverbs 31 which we do believe but even if we take that away since there's a little bit of speculation in that what we do know about her is every interaction with her afterwards and her son and everything points to the fact that he chose to be to be virtuous right absolutely and then even who her son was like yeah. that, because david had other sons that were nothing like solomon and what was the difference? Their mothers. I mean, he had some pretty lousy sons. Yeah. And also Solomon was chosen to be king where he didn't necessarily have that birthright. Making Bathsheba victorious over his other wife. Yeah. So that's how it's been seen. Absolutely. Like it was definitely, there was nothing that she had outside of who she was and who she raised her son to be that was different than any of the other women yeah or all of their sons could have um held claim to the throne he solomon was not the firstborn by any means and there was definitely other contestants and yet solomon won out so there she is victorious so she's victim but she's virtuous and she's victorious and i think that there is a reason that her story is part of this bigger story you know and as Christians, Christ tells us we are going to have times where life is hard, where we are, if we're not facing some kind of hardship or persecution, then, well, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we have that opportunity to choose whether we're going to be a victim or whether we're going to be victorious. And we have that really cool picture in front of us of this woman who made the the most out of a bad situation and future generations again we keep coming back to that but future generations were blessed and are continue to be blessed because because of her and just as a as a mom to raise a son to know to ask for wisdom she had to emulate that and i think that that her again her son's actions speak volumes as to the type of mother that she was proverbs talks quite a bit about seeking wisdom and seeking God while you're young. And I don't doubt for a moment that she was not, while he was very young, was not teaching him to seek wisdom, to seek God as a young child, because the proof of that is in his life and in his writings. And I mean, Proverbs are a part of my daily life. Right. You know, like, <laughs> and they are for very many people, even unsaved people, even people who are, would never claim to be Christians. They still often quote Proverbs because there's so much just practical wisdom in them. And so that's like a huge, huge impact. It is. I look at Bathsheba's story. And again, like you were saying, like when you take a step back and look at the big picture, what what does this help us with in understanding who God is? and how he interacts with us. Well, it shows me that that God sees and, and hears and knows in, in injustice. It shows me that David, while he was once a man after God's own heart, it doesn't take much to fall away. 
And sometimes we can become very complacent and we don't realize that we're just slipping. So, you know, the saying of if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And really that is the truth. We might not feel it, but for sure, if we're not moving forward in our spiritual walk, we are moving backwards. And it's just one wrong choice, one wrong choice that can completely change the trajectory of your life. And because of this, when Nathan was declaring to King David, you know, thou art the man when he was telling him, he said, because of this, the sword shall not depart out of your house. That's a pretty big consequence for David, who's at this time of his life, he's well established as the king. I think he kind of felt like, oh, I can take a break. I'm well established. Like I, I'm not running from Saul anymore. I'm not, you know, I feel like I can I have arrived. Yeah. And then he makes this mistake. And what is his consequence now? Like the sword's not going to depart out of your house. That's, that's pretty heavy. We already touched on all the other consequences. But I think that when I look at my own life, we come to a point where we're pretty comfortable. We're not struggling with something. You know, there's different marital issues we can be struggling with. There's different things with our kids or finances or whatever. And then when we come to a place where we're like, oh, I can take a breath. That's like when we really have to be careful because temptation's right there coming knocking. And I don't think the temptation was necessarily Bathsheba on the roof. I think the temptation was David selfishness. He wanted what he wanted and he knew he could get whatever he wanted and his pride. So the same thing with us, our selfishness and pride, when we can come to kind of a place of like, we've arrived somewhere, uh, watch out because selfishness and pride is right there. Be careful. You know, you're always one step from going the wrong direction. And the same is true in the, in the opposite way. Like you can always, you just have to turn a little bit to start heading off in the wrong direction. And just as easily as like, you know, Psalms 51, you can step back into that right direction, but you have to watch your step, it, which is something that both David and Solomon told us to do. <laughs> watch your step, watch where you're going, because that tiny little veer can change everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we mentioned when we were talking about this, you know, David's sin was a public sin and Psalm 51 was a public confession and repentance. Like he wrote it and had and gave it to, you know, the psalmist to, to, to share publicly. And sometimes we do, we do wrong publicly, meaning like in our families, they know that we've done wrong. And when we've done wrong publicly, we need to confess publicly and repent publicly. And we can't just say, oh, well, I got that right between me and God, right? I just blew my top or whatever. And um, well, I just asked God to forgive me. Okay. Yes, God will forgive you, but you also did this in front of other people. So they deserve that confession as well. It's true. It is true. And on an encouraging note, when we were talking about like just the character of God and the fact that he saw what Bathsheba was going through and he he was there with her and he directed her through it and afterwards and and redeemed her story. Um, it reminded me of a verse that we've been memorizing in my class at school, but it's um they memorize this one on the first try. Um, Genesis 16, it says, Thou God seest me. And it was Hagar who also was in a very similar situation where she was put in a situation where she didn't really have any control over and she was cast out without really by no fault of her own really 
it was just all things happened. She was wronged and she was convinced that she and her son were dying and she was able to see that God cared for her in that situation and God did care for her and he cared for his son and he he blessed them greatly even and they were truly victims but yet God care of them and no matter what you're going through or what you've been through whether you've not told anyone or you have and a lot of people carry a lot of secret burdens God does see you and God does care and God can work it out for his good and in your good he can work it out but take it to God and just be comforted in the fact that he does see you even if even if nobody else does God does and in many circumstances when we feel the victim sometimes we are sometimes we just feel that way but <laughs> it's important to remember the sovereignty of God just like what you were saying but it's also important to remember that even through being taken advantage of or you know even treated unfairly or whatever have you even through that you can be victorious through God right not through your own strength it's not through you know just grinning and bearing it it's not through you know just being tough oh I'm such a tough person because I've you know been victimized in some way shape or form and I don't say that lightly. I say that because there are a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be victorious. Yeah. Sometimes we think that getting back at someone is victorious. Or sometimes we think that, oh, well, I have achieved something that nobody said I was able to achieve. Or I felt like everything was stacked against me and I conquered, right? Is that really what we're talking about with being victorious? No, not so much. Being victorious in the spiritual sense is being fruitful in your life to the glory of God, not to self-glorification. It's overcoming and it's overcoming the world and your and flesh. Yes. Yeah, your flesh. So it's it's about you continuing to do what is right and what is good and following truth regardless of your circumstances. It is. And that's hard harder because we don't always see the physical victory, this side of heaven. And we don't always see, oh, I've, I've accomplished this, 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 and this, and I had all of these things stacked against me. We don't always see that when we are truly overcoming through the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like sometimes it is a daily battle to choose to forgive. Sometimes it's that daily struggle to be um, humble and to walk in the Holy Spirit, to, to literally say, I am feeling this, 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 and this right now about this situation. God, please help me. Help me not to be proud. Help me not to be um, selfish. Help me to let this go and let you take care of this. So really, it's more of the aspect of walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh that causes us to be victorious and fruitful in our life. So no matter what we have had happen to us, we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be victorious. And bringing it back to Christ, he is the ultimate example of that. And he's the ultimate example of just being completely wronged with truly no fault of his own because he had no fault. And choosing what was good and choosing virtue and and, and being victorious. He is our ultimate example. And he, you know, wants us to look to him. We cannot drag this up out of ourselves. I think that is where a lot of Christian teaching is 
is off the mark. We, we spend a lot of time trying to drag up all this goodness out of ourselves that just genuinely doesn't exist without the working of the Holy Spirit and without Christ in us and Christ being the one doing the work. And anytime we try to do it on our own strength, we are going to fail. But we have this amazing example and this amazing helper and we can be victorious in Christ because of Christ. Amen. So Bathsheba, there's a lot there. And I don't even think that we even scratched the surface, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I don't know. What about our listeners? Do you think that she was indeed a victim? Or do you think that she was, as some would say, a provocateur <laughs> and was enticing? <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> I guess people don't I guess people don't say that. I say that. <laughs> but yes, that concept of like she was the one, she was this temptress. And almost like he fell into a her trap. Yes, yes. Um and I don't know if that's a fault of like art from the past or a, I don't know necessarily even where that thought process came from because I don't see it actually when you read the scripture. But maybe you do. Or, you know, maybe others do. We would like to hear your thoughts. We're not, we do not pretend like we know everything. We can tell you that we, you know, we try to, to understand the Bible as clearly as we can, but we definitely don't pretend like we know everything. So we're definitely open to um, conversation about it. Yeah. I enjoy hearing other people's thoughts and um, a little friendly debate. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, just knowing like sometimes we can read these stories and we don't really see where where it helps us right as we're walking through these accounts in the bible and we can be like well i don't really see where david you know killing uriah and Bathsheba. like how does that help me today and uh it it is a help because we all in some way shape or form have felt the victim in our life and we can know just like as said god our thou god sees me and he is there for us and he does have a plan and if we were indeed victim, a victim, we can know that we can still be virtuous and we can still, through the power of the Holy Spirit, walk the way that we ought to walk, right? And live the way that we ought to live. We might have further um, struggles than somebody else, but it can still, God can still help us through it. So yes, just some of those points that that's kind of the question that I like to ask, like, what does this show us about God? What does this show us about how we can walk today, you know, and, and just to keep it so that we're getting some practical application out of it. Right. Anyways, if you have some more practical applications, send us a message. We are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and we also have a website. So please feel free or comment on the podcast. We would love to hear it. Have a good day. Don't take any baths on the rooftop, just in case. We are honored that you chose Simply Edify to be a part of your day. If this episode was a blessing to you, would you consider subscribing to our podcast as well as writing a review or giving us a rating? This would be such a help to our ministry. We would love for other people to find us, and this is one of the ways that they can. Thank you.